Once again, good morning, Life Church. Good morning to all those who are joining us online. Again, my name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here, along with my wife, Tanya. We get to serve alongside Pastors Mike and Ev at Life Church, and we are so grateful and so honored to be called your pastors. It means so much to us, and we are so, um, again, just grateful to do that, grateful to have you here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, for those of you who have not been with us over the last few weeks, we started a new series called Facing Fear. Facing Fear. And if you missed it, we started out by talking about facing anxiety. Last week we talked about facing failure. And this morning, without any further ado, we're going to dive right into this. This morning, we're going to be talking about facing insecurity. Facing insecurity. And as we dive right into this, uh, what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to do something a little bit different. In a few moments, I'm going to get up and I'm gonna actually going to play you a song in just a few moments. But before we do that, I want to give you a little bit of an update and a background about what is insecurity. If we were to define it, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines insecurity as a state or feeling of anxiety, fear, or doubt. You see, the big question that we're dealing with this morning, church, is what if I'm not enough? What if I'm not enough. If we're to delve a little bit deeper into it, we would look into this idea of insecurity that involves fear. And, and uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So if insecurity involves fear and God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, then the question is there must be a way for us to overcome it. And the question is how? can we overcome insecurity in our lives? See, I believe that insecurity is something that we all wrestle with. i never forget when uh, I got that revelation. I remember I was sitting in a service down at the city church in Seattle, this really awesome church. I was down there as a, a 19-year-old Chilliwack farm boy. We weren't really farm boys, but you kind of just feel like it, you know, when you're coming down to this big, slick city. And there I am with my cargo pants and my Man of God t-shirt, <laughs> sitting in the back, this tall, you know, I was probably like six foot four, 160 pounds soaking wet. Uh, you stand sideways, you lose me, right? And there I am sitting there in the back of this really cool service with all these people dressed in Kenneth Cole and, you know, what was cool, Banana Republic back then was cool. And everybody's all dressed to the nines and I'm all sitting in the back all feeling insecure and I'm like, God, why did you bring me here? And the Lord said, look up, Matt. And I looked up and he said, look around, what do you see? And I said, well, I see everybody standing in a group talking to each other. He said, exactly. He said, now look around. What else do you see? And I looked around, and I realized there was people that were outside the group just like me. And the Lord told me at that time, he says, Matt, everybody is insecure. If they leave that group, they're just like you. So what do you do? Go and look for the people that aren't in the group. And it changed my life. And I began to realize that everybody is insecure. If we were to delve deeper into the definition of insecurity, uh, some further definitions would be to be insecure is to lack confidence or trust, whether in ourselves or someone else. Often the reason for our insecurities is an undue preoccupation with our own selves. And it's all about me mentality. Now, have we all just been through something that might have enhanced that feeling a little bit? You know, this, this, this thing that we've all kind of been a part of or we've been told that your neighbor might kill you? That the, the people around you, you better be careful when you go over here. You better be careful when you go over here because there's some, there's some things out there that could get you. And so we've been, in, um, uh, we've been encouraged to isolate and to be on our own. And when we do that, we start to get into our minds and start to think it's all about me. It's enhanced by that. 
Levi Lusco says living out of insecurity is the secret to a miserable life. Insecurity is a lack of confidence. It comes from uncertainty about your worth, value, or place in the world. Insecurity is believing that you aren't enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not rich enough. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. And that you don't have what it takes. Now, if you can say today that you struggle with any of that, so can I. So can I. It's something that every person on the planet has to deal with. I, as I was thinking about it, and I was thinking back on my insecurities even growing up, I was reminded of a song I wrote when I was 19 years old about insecurity. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to just play it for you this morning. I'm just going to play. I, I never finished it. That's how insecure I was. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I only wrote the verse of the chorus. So I'm going to play that for you and give you a little glimpse and window into, rather than telling you another story, about what it was like growing up in insecurity. Sometimes I wish That I was someone else Sometimes I wish That I had someone else's personality Cause then I could be someone And then I could have Everything I need and then I could be all that I have ever wanted. But it's amazing how your love has set me free. I can't believe it. It's amazing how your grace has rescued me from this pit of self-esteem. So we've all been there. That's 19-year-old Matt singing from half a lifetime ago about insecurity that I was facing, about things that I was wrestling with, this desire, what if I was better? What if I had more? What if I'm not enough? The struggle I wrote about that song in that song didn't end back then. You see, today with the proliferation of social media, the opportunity to compare ourselves to curated images of people's best moments often enhances this feeling. If we were to further diagnose the issue, we could say that insecurity is often found in having too much, too much confidence in the flesh and not enough confidence in God. Philippians 3.3 says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoicing in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. And I think oftentimes there's so much pressure on us from the world around us for us to be a certain way or to, to act a certain way or to look a certain way or to think a certain way that it can enhance this sense that maybe we're not enough. It's being self-focused over God-focused. It's being self-focused over others-focused. Come on, it's where you've set your focus. 
How are you going to get anywhere if all you're doing is looking at yourself? You ever tried to run a race that way? Ah! It's not going to go very well. What are you focused on? Where are you looking at? It's being paralyzed by the lie that you're not enough. That there is a call on your life, but you cannot succeed in it. Did you know that there's a call on your life? That God has a call, he's got something for you to accomplish in your life, for you to do, for his, for his glory. And the Bible tells us that there's a, a personal call, something that he's given each one of us to do individually, because we're all unique. And then there's also a universal call. And the personal call, uh, you, you can find evidence of that in 1 Corinthians seven seventeen. He says, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain that to all the churches. But the universal call is bigger than that, and it's a call that affects all of us. You say, well, man, I don't know what my personal call is, but you can know what the universal call is on your life that God has called you to do. And it's massive. There's so much in the Bible about this. I mean, you know, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. I just picked out four things here just so we could just have something to, to put before us as we talk about this idea of, of insecurity keeping us from being able to fulfill our call. But here's four of them. Number one, we're called to follow Jesus. Somebody say, follow Jesus. Number two, we are called to share his hope with others. Say, hope with others. We are called to pursue righteousness. Somebody say, righteousness. And we are called to live a life that is worship to God. Worship to God, everybody. Worship to God. Those are just four of the many things that God has called all of us to do. And what the fear of insecurity, what that fear of, of what if I'm not enough wants to do is it wants to rob you of your ability to fulfill your God-given call. If the enemy could keep you so focused on yourself, you're not able to focus on him and you're not able to focus on others. And I believe it's the grace of God that comes to set us free from that. And I believe this morning there's an anointing in this place. I believe that God can supernaturally set you free even today. And here's how we're going to explore this topic today. As we conclude our message, we're not there yet. I've got three points for you, and this is where they're going to come from. They're going to come from a story in the Bible about a, about a man by the name of Moses. If you have your Bibles, you can turn this morning with me to Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 11. Exodus chapter 3. But before we get there, I'm going to tell you a little bit of background about the story and where we are in the story. See, Moses, if you've heard the story, if you've ever watched The Prince of Egypt, you've probably seen this before. Moses was born to Hebrew slaves during a time when the, the overlords, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, were attempting to limit their reproduction because the Hebrews were exploding in their population. So they attempted to kill the babies before they could even leave the womb. They were trying to kill the babies and this one family, this faithful family, took Moses and they hid him and they released him in a basket in the Nile River. And the Bible tells us that a princess, the Egyptian princess, Pharaoh's daughter, finds Moses and rescues him. And she raises him in the Egyptian palace. He is raised in royalty. He's given the best education. He's given the best clothes. He's given the best food. And he's raised up. And somewhere along the way, he must have realized his connections to the Hebrews. Now, the Bible does tell us that he was given to his actual mother to be raised up until a certain age when he was released back into the Egyptians. But at some point, he started to realize this connection and this unique opportunity that he had in his position. 
that perhaps God had brought him to this place for a reason. And somewhere along the way, Moses develops a savior complex. I'm going to save everybody. I can do this. I've got this education. I've got this position. I can do this all on my own. And so he, one day he sees uh, an Egyptian that's mistreating some Israelites, some Hebrews, and he sees this, and when he thinks that nobody's watching, he goes up and he kills the Egyptian. The Bible tells us he hides the Egyptian, thinks that nobody's seen it. The next day there's an argument happening between two Hebrews, and he goes and tries to break it up. Hey, brothers, don't fight with each other. And then one guy says, are you going to kill us just like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Well, uh-oh, word gets back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, I'm going to kill him for what he's done. Moses runs away in fear into the desert. The Bible tells us that he goes to the Midianite area, and there's these, these young women that are trying to feed their sheep, and there's a bunch of shepherds that are keeping them from being able to do it. So he rescues them, is what he says, the Savior complex. And he saves these women and ends up marrying one of these women. And then, over the next 40 years, he wanders the desert as a shepherd keeping watch over sheep. Now you want to talk about being in your head. You want to talk about being isolated and being alone. For 40 years, Moses is walking around trying to come to grips with his new reality. He's walking around trying to think about, you know, what could have been and maybe what should have been. And at a certain point, he comes to peace with the fact, he must have anyways, come to peace with the fact that he was a shepherd in the desert until one day. Moses, is a regular day, He's with the sheep, and out of the corner of his eye, he catches a glimpse of something shiny happening over here. And he's like, what is that? And there's a bush that's burning with fire. Oh, well, that's nothing new. It happens in the desert all the time. There's, you know, lightning strikes and things that happen that cause fire. It's not a big deal. And then he turns around, and it's still burning. And he's like, hey, there's leaves on that bush. And he realizes there's something strange about it. He's like, I gotta check this out. So he comes, he turns aside, he walks over towards the bush, and as he, he gets closer to it, the presence of God hits him. Boom! And the voice of God comes and says this, Moses, remove your shoes for the ground that you are standing on is holy ground. So Moses takes off his shoes and he approaches the, the presence of God in the form of a burning bush. And the Lord says to him, I have heard the cries of my children in Egypt. And I am raising up a deliverer to rescue them. And Moses, you are that deliverer. And I'm going to send you to go and rescue your people. Now Moses' response is three objections. And this morning, how we're going to approach this subject of insecurity is we're going to examine the three objections of Moses. And we're going to talk about God's response and what it tells us about insecurity. Okay, you guys with me? Okay, here we go. Here's the objection. Objection number one. Moses says this. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? This is Exodus 3.11. And that I should bring children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly, this is God, be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. So here's the objection. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. In other words, when I measure myself against the standards of my own heart, when I've been wandering this desert and thinking about this, this great opportunity that I had and how I failed so badly, I find myself wanting. You got the wrong guy. I already tried that, God. I already did that. It didn't work. I find myself wanting. Next part, when I compare myself to others, surely there are others who could do this better than me. Come on, on Instagram, that guy obviously has it all together. 
Why don't you just call him, God? Why are you calling me? And here's, here's God's response. I will certainly be with you, and I am more than enough. See, God confirms that he'll go with him. I'm going to go with you. And then he says, by the way, this is what this is going to look like, and this is a vision for you. That's the grace of God to say, this is where you're going, and this is what it's going to look like. He gives him a vision beyond himself. Why? Because God is capable to do any work that he has called you to perform. Man, that includes your salvation. That includes helping you to overcome that secret addiction. That includes being able to restore and resurrect your life, your business. God is able. Church, amen? David Guzik, when he talked about this, he's a, he's a Bible scholar. In his commentary, he says, Moses only, had self-esteem, Moses only had a self-esteem problem when he was too confident in his own ability to deliver Israel. This self-esteem issue existed because he thought it was all on him. He thought it was all on him. And church, there is a lie of the enemy that comes to your mind to tell you it's all on you. You know, my, my greatest challenges in my life is when I look at myself and, and my own inabilities. My greatest challenges are when I look back and think, oh man, I should have done that better, or I could have done this better, or I could have, man, what if, what if, what if, what if. But then God comes with his presence, and he overwhelms me until all I can see is him. And there's freedom there, and there's life there. God, through grace, frees Moses from himself. That's what he does. I want to read you a passage here of scripture. This is cool. This just stood out to me. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 22, the, the, the teachers, the religious law, come and they approach Jesus and they say to him, what is, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus' response to them is this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Okay, so this is the greatest commandment. You're saying, what does this have to do with insecurity? Could it be that it is also God's grace to free us from insecurity? Come on, remember I said this earlier. Being insecure is being self-focused over God-focused. It's being self-focused over others-focused. And what is the greatest commandment? The grace of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, God frees us from insecurity by helping us to focus outward instead of inward. Do you see that? Who am I? I'm not enough. You're right, but you have God, and he is more than enough. It's good news, church. It's good news. But I sinned. Yes, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's, it's true. We've all sinned. It happens. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's all about him, church. Are you with me? Here's the second one. Then Moses answered, and he said, hey, this is Exodus 4, verses 1 and 2. But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? <laughs> and he said, a rod. So here's the objection. For the first one, is I'm not enough. 
The second one is, I don't have enough. God, I don't have enough to do what you call me to do. I'm not equipped enough to do what you call me to do. I don't have eloquent speech. I don't have all the things that I'm supposed to have, God. I'm missing it. I don't have the money that that person has. I don't have the job like that person has. I don't have the family situation like that person has. I don't have it, God. I'm lacking it. And here's his response. I have given you all that you need. Here's the truth, church. God has equipped you for your call. Come on. 2 Peter 1.3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Come on. He's put it in your hands. So I love this part of the story. What do you have in your hand? A rod. Okay. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to throw it on the ground. Fine. <laughs> Throws it on the ground. You know what it does? It turns into a snake. And I always get a kick out of this part. Because it turns into a snake. And Moses, what does Moses do? Oh, it's a snake. No, no, he's like, ah! He runs away. And the snake's slithering on the ground. And God's like, okay, now I want you to go and pick it up by the tail. And I just see Moses like, no, you pick it up by the tail. All those who have snake fear phobias, you know, you're, you're with me right now, right? And God's like, no, pick it up by the tail. He's like, Okay, he's like, you know, a little toddler that's been slapped in the hand. Okay, here we go. Oh, okay, you sure? You sure, God? Yeah, you just pick it up by the tail. Just trust me. Oh, oh okay. And he grabs it by the tail, turns back into a rod, picks it up. You see, before the presence of God worked on that rod, it was simply a piece of wood and a staff that he used to walk through the desert. But the minute that God's presence came on it, it transformed into the very thing that he needed to accomplish the task that God had given him. See, on our own, we cannot do it. On our own, you can do nothing. But with God, nothing is impossible. You say, man, all I've got is this job that I go to 9 to 5, and that's all I have. But do you realize that when the presence of God comes and falls on you in that job, you become a minister of the gospel. You become a witness of his greatness. Man, all I've got is this little retirement fund. I've only got this little bit set aside. But when the presence of God falls on that, he gives you wisdom, and it becomes all that you need. It was five loaves and two fish, and it fed 5,000. Come on. So then he gets the rod, and the rod has the presence of God, and it becomes the evidence that God has given him more than he needs. And he says, take your hand. Put it, in your, put it in your shirt. He does. Pull it out. Ah! Turns into a leprous hand. God says, put it back in. Puts it back in. It's clean. White as snow. Not white as snow. It was white as snow. It was leprous. But anyways, it's clean. And then he says, and also, by the way, I'm going to take water out of the Nile, and I'm going to turn it into blood. I'm going to give you signs that I'm with you. These signs shall follow those who believe. Come on. God takes two things that Moses has, the rod in his hands, and he makes the natural the supernatural. Before the move of God, it was just a rod in a hand, but after the move of God, the ordinary became extraordinary and could only be interpreted as a sign of God's intervention. See, church, there are miracles that are, we're missing every single day. And you guys, this is so practical. Here, how do, we, how do we tap into this? Like, that's great, Matt. What do we do with this? Why do we pray about the things that we're facing each day? So that those natural concerns and worries have a supernatural element to them. Why don't we just bring them? I deal with this all the time, church. I'm just being honest. Why don't we just pray? Why don't we just say, God... 
I, I don't know what to do about this situation right now, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to lay it in your hands. And this week as I was, I was driving around, and I was, uh, I was like praying into this message, and I turned on um, AM550. Anybody ever do that? The Christian radio station on there, on the AM side. And I was just kind of like skimming through my radio stations. I haven't done it for a long time. And there was this guy singing on there, and I thought, I'm going to listen to this. And he sang that, that classic hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Everybody know that one? Ever heard of that one? Okay, and there's a, there's a verse in there, and this is what it said, and it just grabbed me. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What if we started to live that way, church? What if we started to live in such a way that when we're facing something that we don't know how to face, we bring it to God and he takes the natural and he puts his supernatural on it? What do you have in your hand? I have a rod. What do you have? I got a hand. I've got some water. Okay, I can work with that. What do you have? Not much. My Facebook account isn't much to look at. I don't have a whole lot to show. No, no, God can work with it right where you are. Okay, that's number two. Okay, the third one, and we're going to close with this one today. Exodus 4, verses 10 through 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since. You've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. Here's the objection. I'm not, just not good at what you've called me to do. I'm just not good at it. I mean, hey, you can look at it as a natural call, as, as your personal call, but also as a universal call. So often what the devil wants to do is get you to sin so that he can call you a sinner. He's the accuser of the brethren, that's right. So he wants you to stay in that place and say, you know what, I've tried and I just keep failing. I'm just not good at this. This Christian thing, I don't know how to do this. And here's the response from the Lord. I will cover your weaknesses. Now here's something interesting about this passage. I've heard it said before that it's possible that Moses may have, in fact, had a, a speech impediment, which is possible. He'd been in the desert for almost 40 years, growing older. But at one point, that wasn't the case. Because in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, a man by the name of Stephen tells the story of Moses. And he says that Moses was taught all wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. So as he's wandering in the desert, this voice is going on in his head, well, you weren't really that good at talking. Well, actually, you couldn't actually do what you thought you could. You thought you were going to save those people. You can't really save those people. You know, Moses, you, 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 kinda, you were in this great position. You blew it, man. You messed it up so bad, there's no way that you can accomplish what, anything anymore. All you're going to do is be a, a shepherd in the desert, so you may as well just rest in that. You may as well just give up. You may as well just stay here. But no. No, 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 because Moses had to go through a season in his life where he recognized his own weakness so that he could see the goodness and the power of God working in his life. He could see the goodness and the power of God. God knows everybody's weaknesses. And the more weaknesses we have, the more opportunity for God's light to shine through. 
Come on, Apostle Paul knew this so well. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10 says, Each time he said to me, my grace is all you need, and my power works best in weakness. So now, Paul says, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, God knows you. And how does he cover the weaknesses? Here's how he does it. Exodus chapter 4 verse 12. Now go, I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you what to say. So first of all, he gives him the words to say. He gives him the things that he needs, all things pertaining to life and and godliness. But then the second part is this. Moses continues to whine and complain. The Lord gets very angry with him, and he says, okay, all right. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you right now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him uh, and put the words in his mouth, and I'll be with both of you as you speak, and I'll instruct you both in what to do. So first of all, he gives him the words to say and the power to do what he's called him to do, but then the second thing he does is he puts him in community. He puts him in community. How do we overcome insecurity? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Put yourself in a position where you are known. See, there's a freedom from insecurity that comes when we choose to think of others over ourselves. And one of the greatest ways to overcome insecurity is to know that you are fully known and fully loved. 1 Corinthians, or Colossians 1.27, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, I just want to tell you again, church, our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And we overcome insecurity knowing that our perfect Savior lives in our hearts. And we overcome insecurity when we understand our true identity. That we are fully known. And we are fully loved by the Almighty God. Who doesn't expose our weaknesses, but He covers them. He brings them into the light so that we can walk in freedom. And then he gives us a vision and a purpose for our lives. Something to live this out. Church, I really believe that this is the key today. As we talk about insecurity and facing insecurity. That you would recognize and realize that he is here with us now. And that he loves you. And that he knows you. Every part of you. And that he still desires to see you live a life that glorifies him. And here's how we're going to close today. We're going to do something a little different. I'm going to have my beautiful wife come. And she's going to read a passage of scripture to you about this. I'm going to jump back there and just play on the guitar for a bit. And then she's going to close the service. going to read from Psalm 139, which is as I read the scripture, God's truth over you. Just close your eyes and take it in. Let his truth rest upon you. O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. 
You see when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You, knew, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I never can get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you, Lord. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. How precious are his thoughts about you and I. They cannot even be numbered. You are precious in his sight. I am precious in his sight. While you and I were yet sinners, he came running after us and he died. That's how much he cares and loves for us. That's how much he believes in who we are to be and what we can do and what we can become. That's how great his, his belief is in you and I. Isn't that too marvelous? Isn't that so amazing? There's a confidence that we can step into when we truly know the truth of the Word of God and what it says about us. There's a confidence that you and I can rise up to. Not cocky, not that savior mentality that he was talking about that Moses kind of had at the beginning of his life, potentially, like, I can save, I can save. No, a confidence that is solely found in who I am and who you are in Christ and who he says you and I are. Because you said, Lord, because you said I am free, I am free. Because you said I am forgiven, I am forgiven. Because you said that I can do great things and there is nothing I cannot do without you, I will do it. It's the truth of his word and resting and standing upon it that brings the confidence that can override the insecurity confidence that overrides insecurity. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning for each and every person. Father, we all struggle with this. The comparison, the feeling not good enough, like I'm not quite measuring up, that I am just keep failing over and over again. All of these things that we wrestle with on a daily basis. 
And it's exactly what the enemy wants for the people of God. For the people of God to be wrestling with who they are. When God already said, you're forgiven, you're free, you're my people. You walk in light, not darkness. The truth of his word. Father, may your truth just rest upon your people this morning. May your truth rest upon each and every heart this morning. God, we can, we can go out and do great things. We can go out to our jobs tomorrow. We can go out into our neighborhoods and we can help and we can serve and we can do what you've called us to do because you are with us, because you are our strength, because you are our confidence and because you go before. You're around us, surrounding us. You're before us, you're behind us. There is no place that we cannot go that you are not already there. That's a confident assurance that we can rest in. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, your desire is for your people to be whole, walking in freedom. So I pray right now for every single person online, here in this place, Lord Jesus, that if there is a wrestling and when you, if there's been some real strongholds of just, oh, I just cannot get it together guilt, shame. Father, I pray that it would be broken in Jesus' name. I pray that you would bring freedom and truth. Lord Jesus, even the truth of this word that we just heard out of your word, the truth that it doesn't matter. No, we are not enough, but you are more than enough. You are with us. You've given us all we need. We, well, I don't have what I need. Oh, yes, we do, because we have God that can take our little and make much. Father, would you help us to see that this morning, Lord Jesus? Would you change our perspective? Father, I pray that there would be a change of perspective this morning in minds, Lord Jesus, of things that maybe we've been looking at and we just see as hopeless, or we just look at and just say, oh, there's like nothing that can change that situation. There's nothing I can do about this. Uh, it's, I just keep messing it up. Father, I pray shame would be broken. I pray that guilt would be broken. I pray that the truth of who each person is today would be made known to, made known to them this morning. Made known. Lord, your heart is to see the people of God rise up in authority and in confidence not in who we are on our own, but in who we are in you, Jesus. So I pray over every single person watching in here, in person, Lord, I pray that that truth would be made known to each heart. Lord, we want to be people that can go into our places that you've called us to, in, in our families, in our relationships, as parents, as grandparents, as teachers, as um, employees, as every, there's so many worlds that are represented here. Father, and you want us to go in, out into the world in confidence, shining the light that you've put in us. So we ask for that in Jesus' name this morning. Father, may we arise. May chains be broken off. May um, people be able to walk in freedom, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen.